Welcome to another episode of No Challenges Remaining from the U.S. Open. I'm Ben Rothenberg. 32 guys made it to the third round of the U.S. Open this year, as every year. But one guy's never been there before, and he has tried a lot. Paolo Lorenzi of Italy is playing in his 22nd Grand Slam main draw, and only just now did he reach the third round. That's pretty remarkable. And he did it in pretty remarkable fashion, winning a marathon match against Gilles Simon in five sets, to set up a third round against Andy Murray, which will be Saturday in Arthur Ashe Stadium. Lorenzi is pretty much the prototypical journeyman in the sport, which is not a term I usually gravitate towards, but with Lorenzi, there's no denying that's what he is. He's worked his way slowly through the challengers, up to the tour level, and at the age of 34 is having his best year ever, uh, winning a title in Kitzbühel and now reaching his first major third round. Even if he gets killed by Murray, the journey's been remarkable, and to help appreciate it, I thought there'd be no one better to talk to than the only Paolo Lorenzi superfan I know, Andrew of Foot Soldiers of Tennis, who writes about Lorenzi and players of his ilk on his blog, Foot Soldiers of Tennis. Here's our chat from earlier this morning. I'm delighted to be joined here in New York by a first-time U.S. Open visitor, Andrew from Foot Soldiers of Tennis at FSO. Tennis on Twitter, Andrew. Thanks for being here. Yeah, nice, nice, nice to be here in your swanky surroundings. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. So um, I, I mostly wanted to have you on here because it seemed like a very triumphant moment for the Foot Soldiers of Tennis brand <laughs> to have Paolo Lorenzi into a the third round of a Grand Slam. Explain what your site is and your yeah. your your ethos is and how Paolo Lorenzi. I guess became the sort of mascot for that sort of thing. Okay, I'm I'm very excited to be a brand first of all. Um, <laughs> I suppose I suppose my kind of interest in sport is it's almost whatever sport I have some like slightly hipster urges where I'm kind of interested in the people just below the sort of the top level if you like I, I kind of find them more fascinating in some ways than like number ones and the the Djokovic's and the and the Murray's so um, I kind of ended I kind of started like started doing a site on that it must be like three or four years ago now and. Being on Twitter and it's kind of it's sort of it's sort of grown slowly. I've got a disturbingly large Twitter following, or disturbingly large by the numbers I expected. So it's just kind of looking at, I guess, the kind of journeyman players who might fill up a two fifty draw on a quiet week, or black challengers, or that or that sort of level, and how they do what they do, how they survive compared to you know the prize money on the main tour and the challenger tour, which gets kicked around all the time. So so it's just to kind of look. at it's like sort of cut the top slice away and look below and you'll probably find me like rooting around there somewhere. So when you first came to tennis, your first instinct was to look at that tier or did you get, after seeing Murray and Djokovic and the um, like, did you be, say, what's under the surface here? Um, I'm probably going to like lose a whole load of followers. So I was saying, I, I, guess, I guess there was a kind of Federer draw very initially go, sure. going back. And I don't think saying you like Federer yeah. and alienates most people, but okay. Um, Some, sure. Yeah, but but, but, the, but the, I mean, I suppose I suppose that kind of caught the imagination. But I can I can you know, I can always like just remember kind of rooting, you know, in the days when you had to rely on a newspaper to get the results. So it was just like something intriguing about seeing all the like the random names from Austria and different parts of the world who like 
you know, be playing in the second round of the Swiss Open. So, that, so there's kind of there's kind of that as well. But I, sp- I suppose from a visual, a visual perspective, kind of. And I, like. and I really like the term you use for it, and foot soldiers. I think it's like a perfectly uh, respectful mm. term because I think a lot of times people it doesn't have this necessarily the same connotations as journeyman, which yeah. is a common one, or of you know some harsher ones. People say like the scrubs of tennis yeah, or something yeah. like that. Um, I guess that that term is great, and I guess I guess on, and they are sort of a, a sport necessity. I guess they are the the cavalry. You couldn't, as much as people like Djokovic and Nadal and Federer and Murray, and they are the ones bringing the sport mm. to all, bringing the money to all the oh, ATP tournaments yeah. and driving box office for the most part. You see that I think even this year, a bunch with Federer missing tournaments attendance seems to have gone down around the world. Even with that, without these guys, they would have no one to play against, and they need someone capable to yeah, play against give, yeah. the, give the crowd decent matches if nothing else exactly if you're gonna you know make all the money you do from two weeks of a slam you've got to have a hundred you know you have a 128 person draw and you need you need good players to fill it um i mean if you think about it purely from that i guess kind of commercial slam point of view one i mean there's lots of tennis on and two part of the intrigue of a slam in the first week is i think even for even for people who you know don't don't sort of look below the top strata so much is that you will get those sort of five you will get those kind of dramatic five-set matches if, you know, if Djokovic and Murray and whoever are rolling over their opponents, then, you know, you'll end up crossing to Vesely Moneni, which I didn't see, but that's a kind of yeah. classic of the genre, isn't it? You've got a guy who's qualified for his first his first tournament ever, Moneni. He plays Djokovic if he wins. He could, he looks like he's going to win. He's cramping at the end. Vesely comes through. So, yeah. that, so Everyone that, who saw that match loved it. Exactly. Yeah. That, that kind of, you know, that... They, I think, sort of players. So the players like that, add, I think, they add value to the slams as well. Even though you know Djokovic and so on, are, and those are, are the driving forces. Those are a lot of the stories that I've enjoyed doing, both on the men's and women's side. Just that those are the sort of people who have their own, you know, more struggles or whatever yeah. to make it through, and it's a big occasion, big moment for them, and the stakes are, are higher. Uh, sometimes on the on the main tour, the top fifty players, top obviously top twenty, top thirty. If they lose, tennis is easy. You get you know pick up and go back again. But when you have somebody like, um, say, what, what I remember on an American side at the U.S. Mm. Open was when Tim, Tim Smichek yeah. wound up being last American man standing at the U.S. Open because everyone else had a bad tournament, honestly, but he was there in the third round, and he got to play the day after Jack Sock, I think also made third round that year, maybe Isner too, uh, and he got was up a you know break in the third on Granoliers and had, again, a chance to play Djokovic, and whole grandstand was going nuts for him, and it's a sort of very unlikely casting on this big stage of sports and you see how that pressure and that occasion can can weigh on these guys who may only get that one shot at that sort of look yeah yeah exactly and that's i suppose and the fact it is a kind of rolling cast does indicate that there's i think there's sometimes more strength there than people give it people give it credit for even if you see like Djokovic sort of roll over roll over people or whatever as well i'll ask that question do you think this gets debated do you think there is depth on the ATP, whatever that means? Um, yeah, de- depth is a kind of nefarious concept to de- define, isn't it? But yeah. I th- you know, maybe, maybe there's not, if you define depth solely in terms of are there enough challenges to the traditional big four, then possibly not. If you define it in are there players who are capable of producing interesting, fascinating matches or occasionally like pushing the top. So, so I think 
So I think depth is kind of how you interpret it in that sense, if you see what I mean. No, I think people who've, especially if you give a bar of like people who've never seen professional tennis, mm. if you go to a Grand Slam, you'll be well-serviced by the quality of tennis on any court. Yeah. Assuming yeah. nobody's injured or something. Uh, it, it's generally pretty, pretty good. And you can sort of, you know, I've seen people, you know, more or less... For it's like more of a stunt thing, like sort of like throw a dart at, at, at an order of play and see where it hits, and go watch that. And usually they have something there, and both players have stories of their own to tell. Yeah, it works. That's the other thing, isn't it? Because it's like if this, God, this is going to sound hackneyed cliche, I guess, but every it's almost like every player does have a story. Because even yeah. even if you're like you know ninety ninety fourth, you've clambered over a hell of a lot of people to get to ninety fourth and get your and oh, get yeah. your right to get. You know, play playing a grand slam and you know let the draw fall fall where it might. So before we get to Lorenzi specifically, mm. who are some? Are there particular players you think fit that sort of that if impressed you most? Looking with your uh, telescope down the, <laughs> down the rankings and and sort of interesting things you see twinkle down there. Yeah, um, I, th- I think Burlock is another one in and that, they, in they that kind of first yeah, round. which which I was like kidding candy store, but. Um, although actually it was like ridiculously one-sided match, but that's that's going off the board. But it's it's kind of again Burlock's sort of maximizer. Yeah, so those are similar yeah, type players. So when, yeah, you, yeah. when when so Burlock, we'll get to Lorenzi then yeah. now. Because Burlock and Lorenzi both are guys who would not be considered uh, glamorous players, yeah. but it, like, they both have a just sort of incredibly workmanlike, very blue collar. Gritty. <laughs> I mean, Berloque, especially with his grunting, can make yeah. tennis seem very ugly at times, or just very hard. Yeah, no, he, I, make, he makes it look hard, yeah. and that's usually the opposite. You said you're a Federer <laughs> fan, and Federer got won a lot of fans for making everything look easy. Yeah, Berloque just seems like he's in labor. I mean, that, <laughs> I, mean I mean that in the in the birthing sense a lot of times too, with the sound and the and the just the effort and the clear exertion, everything. But that I guess that appeals to you. That yeah, sort of yeah, no, clear I, yeah. clear struggle. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it's it is kind of seeing someone try and do the very utmost, I guess, with the the tools that they've got. And it's like Burlock used to have a, a really ropey backhand, and now that and he's kind of gradually worked that into a a serviceable shot. And he's kind of gone from you know largely playing challenges to winning you know winning Davis Cup matches for Argentina. And really, and realistically for him, that you know as a career as a career ambition, that's like. Yeah. You know that's virtually off the scale. You know, and I think no, uh, you know the show, the like Burlock show ripping, rip is yeah. pretty iconic. Which it is like, definitely iconic. Yeah. I always thought it was ridiculous it came after a retirement mm-hmm. from his opponent, but it, it is it is definitely iconic. I, I guess um, it was it was like four you know four hours. I it think. was a long match. Yeah. It was. I just remember anyway the retirement and then the shirt ripping coming. Yeah. I thought you don't see that much. Anyway, mm. all credit to him for for winning that. And yeah, and I guess for a lot of these players, I think people. The sport is covered in a very top-down way, um, and maybe just top, not going down at all. Uh, and so people yeah, might not it, people people yeah. might not define mm. getting a win in Davis Cup as being a career success, as being like, oh, you had a successful career because you won a Davis yeah. Cup match. But for a lot of these guys, that you have to measure success, and yeah. that's a totally it's fair way, fair way yeah. to do it for a country, especially like Argentina. Exactly, that's, that's, yeah. a, that's a big tennis traditional power. Yeah, and and kind of tennis. So success is defined so ruthlessly. Yeah, I think in tennis, it, it's like Burdick's one of my kind of. He's not. He's not like one of the players I follow, but he, he's a man who's like he, consistently he, at the he, back end of Grand Slams and has made a final. He's and definitely people, the foot soldier of the top ten. Yeah, and people just go, oh, you know, people rip on him constantly. Yeah, yeah, and that's and it's like still for his level of achievement in his era, it's kind of give, you know, um, 
you know, I'm not saying they're all great individual human beings, but for what is a cheat, give the guy a break. Yeah. Uh, so Paolo Lorenzi mm. is the one who I think you will exalt as a human being. <laughs> what is it? What is it that makes Paolo Lorenzi? How, how did you first catch your eye, if you remember? Um, I think, I think it was kind of um, seeing him, and I think I described his service motion that it's got a lot better. It was like watching a crippled duck in flight. Yeah, was the first thing. Was the <laughs> was the first thing I thought that looked smoother. So, so that kind of attracted you, and the, and then I guess perversely it was like, although this is. As hopefully will come on to, I think he's got better. Is it was just like a very sort of workmanlike nature of his game. He's gonna, he was like gonna get there and and, gr- and grind, or, you know, and grind all day to and, win. And he's somebody who statistically was remarkably not good at grand slams. I mean, and I don't know, if, I don't know if those sort of those sort of things corroborate his legend. Yeah, they probably do. But coming before this tournament. He had a record of two wins, twenty-one losses in Grand Slams, yeah. and one of those is, was a retirement, which is by <laughs> which is by any measure terrible. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're a guy who's getting into that many Grand Slam main draws and just hopeless to win matches, yeah. that's bad. Yeah, it's it, but but he keeps at it, and obviously he his ranking has been pretty well into the top hundred for a while. So he's he's picking up points elsewhere and being a and scheduling smart to, exactly, to, to get exactly, that moment, and also exactly, and also yeah. not playing many ATP tour events and not. I don't know if he's doing everything he can necessarily to try to really crack the next level and try to beat these guys regularly, but he's at least getting himself in position to get into these tournaments. Yeah, no, no, I think I think some of it is smart, is is kind of smart scheduling and all. I almost wonder whether unconsciously it's like, well, perhaps until now, it's like whether almost like Grand Slam weeks are a bit of a week off. There's like, there's no real expectation I can go that deep in this. So, I'll and there's also there, and there's yeah. also this sense that that players have, and I'm not saying he's giving mm. less effort than 100% once he's there, but that you work all year to earn the prize money. Yeah. And those are big, that you win more for prize money for winning, getting the first round of a Grand Slam, I think, for winning any challenge. Yeah, fair, oh, absolutely. Like three absolutely, times yeah. or four times yeah. the amount. So, so no, no, that, yeah. I, that, it's another like small thing. It's like people do rip on, again, oh, you lost in the first round and you get this, but again, it's all about, it's all about the fact you've had to probably work like a dog to get to get to this level in yeah. the first place to be you know, a global elite and, sporting event. And the slams offer that money because they, they know that these are guys who, again, can rese- respectively fill up the straw and provide decent yeah. cannon fodder if yeah. need be for <laughs> if they get drawn against a Djokovic or Federer first round of yeah. a night session on Ash and you see, I don't know, um, Diego Schwartz. I mean, he's a little above this probably now ranking-wise, but you yeah. see him trotting out there to go play a Djokovic but, yeah, first sure. round. He's yeah, going to sure. be able to produce good rallies, get, you know, things like that yeah. going in the crowd will not feel like they went out and saw some schmuck get his <laughs> yeah. ass handed to him. Yeah, no, yeah. Schwart- Schwartzman's a, another sort of great maximizing example, but he's like, he's, I think he's brilliant at losing honorably in slams when he's only, yeah. about, five, when he's only about five foot nine and he gives yeah. it everything he's got. Yeah. So. If that, I'm like yeah. five ten and I tower yeah. over him. <laughs> like, yeah, so Lorenzian specific, specifically, mm. again, has had this breakout tournament. Part of why I wanted to have you on here, I thought this was a moment when we've <laughs> met and you've been, and I've seen your ethos at Wimbledon qualifying very fittingly, where we've met before. Uh, but Lorenzi breaking through, what does it mean to you to get to see him win two matches beating Berloque and then a, a seed in five sets? Yeah, Gilles no, Simon. Yeah, no, that you get to play Andy Murray mm-hmm. in a third round. No, that was a that was a real thrill seeing him beat Simon because it's you know it's, I wouldn't say Simon's a better version of Lorenzi. That's like, but Simon but Simone is somebody who I think is not a bad draw because yeah. Simon sort of is more a death by a thousand cuts sort of player and he's not going to blow anybody off the court 
per se. Yeah, no, 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 that's true. It's it's like there were, what was it? It's like nearly five hours. I think I literally did by the fifth set get a bit of neck strain from like seeing it go backhand to backhand. But it was, you know, you kind of, Lorenzi sort of cramped at the end of the fourth set. He was, there was it's like for the fourth set tie breaking just before, he was like standing there serving. He couldn't like push up at all, at all, because he'd like got that, he got this like giant cramp. So to come through that like, at the end of the fourth set, he's two sets to one up, he loses that, and then to kind of, dig it out in the fifth set but he's kind of but there are there are there are some sort of things where his like games evolved it's like, hopefully against Murray and you know this may make me look a fool you'll see that his, his forehand's got a bit of something and he can come in behind it and some of his volleys are really good and again you know against Simon who was pretty quick round he was like he was like putting them at really acute angles right on the line so Simon so Simon couldn't get there so he played he kind of played exceptionally well. He yeah. played, a, and he, you know, he knocked out a seed at Grand Slam. This is the best result, as you say, at Grand Slam by a country mile. And he did it like in five hours when he wasn't fully fit. So it's like, it's like, what, what, what more do I want from a trip to New York? Pretty okay, much, so, you say. You yeah. didn't even know. I think I don't think this was in the, in the cards, really. Yeah. Um, I guess overall, just your thoughts on on this tournament being being a, a Brit at the U.S. Open, having heard whatever the sort of mm. myth of this tournament is, or the or the aura of it is. How does it compare for you? You can talk about that, your perception yeah. of before and after. Um, I guess I guess I expected a bit more of a human zoo. Because um, yeah. I guess for us, Wimbledon has the reputation of being nice and polite and starched and green and all the rest. And, and New York is perhaps considered a bit a bit of a madhouse. But yeah. I found it like a madhouse in a, in, a, in a good way, I think. You know, people get behind their players. I love the fact here that, you know, because it's so much of a cultural melting pot, Virtually everyone I've seen, bar Malik Jaziri, sorry Malik, has had some kind of cheering. No, section. no fans for Malik. No, oh, no. It's, I saw like a bit of Barankis Jaziri, and there's like Lithuanians behind Barankis. I saw all bot Troitsky, and there's like an all. There were like all bot, all bot fans or all bot wow. like. That's another probably foot yeah, soldier guy, Radu yeah, Albert for sure. Kind of think David Ferrer on a budget, basically. Yeah, and, and you've, <laughs> you've kind of got you've got all bot. So so that's a great thing, which again you don't get at Wimbledon, you know. And you don't see flags at Wimbledon yeah, and things like that, yeah. yeah. And the I didn't really know what to expect from like the setup, but in terms of inter let's say in terms of it being busy, it feels busy but not overpowering and overcrowded. Every you know, every court has decent kind of seating, not just sort of there are sort of bleachers at the end of the vast majority of courts, so you can yeah. you know, And at Wimbledon you, some of those outer yeah, ones are very hard to get. Yeah, up you've to. you've literally got like a few park benches you have to sit down otherwise you otherwise yeah. you crowd around. So um, I've been I've been pretty blown blown away really by it. it's it's more it's more than I expected. I think. Well, we hope you come back, and we hope that the Paolo Lorenzi's of the world, or whoever his successor <laughs> is, I guess, are there other players you would flag? Um, not um, not making you pick favorites. I know that's yeah, like making no. you pick between your children, but have uh, any, any other players people should look out for? And um, and I'm guessing you would encourage people probably to pull up challenger streams. When yeah, they can. no, no, the, the challenger streams are great because. Can you might never you might never know what you'll discover. Like, um, I wonder if Satrell's worth following because I've li- I've literally never seen him play, and he was like in challenger qualifying at the start of the year, and he's come through. Yeah, um, the ITF people. Yeah. Who, I'll tell you, the ITF communications people were looking at the draw, and they were like, "We have never heard of this person." <laughs> and if they don't know somebody, yeah. yeah. Um, I suppose another player who I've always admired again for kind of coming through and making the most of it, although perhaps his time has like been and gone a bit, is like Victor Estrella as well. Who's yeah. like? Who's again? It's got such a great story, and he almost quit. He came, he, he you know he kind of came. He came back. He won a tour. He won a tournament, and 
and he's from you know a not established tennis nation. Yeah, so Dominican. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I guess I'm waiting for the next late bloomer, whoever whoever they are. So it's interesting. You're you're every, most people are excited by youth in tennis. The Zverevs, the Wonderkins, <laughs> you know, the the Shorts, the next big thing. The yeah, you know, yeah. here in the U.S. it's Taylor no, that, Fritz, that, but yeah. but you would probably be more of a. I don't know who the opposite of Taylor Fritz in U.S. <laughs> tennis is. Maybe like uh, a, Tim, almost Tim Smichek's. Like yeah, a, a really, a, a, not a really quite as example. withered as that. He's only yeah, still yeah. in his late twenties. Yeah, yeah. But so, so yeah. No, I, I, I guess I like seeing players who've made that. Maybe Rajiv Ram might Ra- fit. No, Rajiv, Rajiv, a bit of seven volley is pretty cool for Rajiv Ram. Yeah. Shame. See, I'm British, but I'd rather he'd beaten Dan Evans. There we go. That's that's my heretical confession. <laughs> and Dan, Dan, Dan Evans. Probably not a foot soldier. He's more of a something, someone who went MIA in battle. Yeah, no, Evan, yeah, a, yeah. A nod mercenary. Yeah, no, Evans. Evans is complicated because his, I think his level of commitment has been. And that's his level of level commitment is something that yeah. you think probably exemplifies foot yeah. soldierdom. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I think I have the most respect for the people who like go and lay it and seem to like lay it on the line every time they go out there because. Who of us in our, our job, honestly, really goes into work every day and thinks, I'm giving this 100%. You know, even, even if you like your job, there are still times where, where most of us just like mentally check out a bit and cruise, but these guys can't afford to, and, and they don't that often. Well, we appreciate you for never mailing it in for your work for Foot Soldiers Tennis. Again, FSOT, no, sorry, FSO Tennis on Twitter. Follow him. You get a deeper, richer, understanding of the sport and all of its many layers. Andrew, thank you very much for being here. A pleasure, Ben. I enjoyed it. So thank you, Andrew, and thank you guys all for listening to this episode of No Challenges Remaining. If you want to follow along with us for the rest of the U.S. Open and beyond, you can do so lots of ways by following us on Twitter at NCR underscore tennis. I'm at Ben Rothenberg on Twitter. Andrew's at FSO tennis. And Courtney, not here, but she's 40 deuce twits and at wta underscore insider as per always there's also facebook where you can like us at facebook.com slash ncr podcast send us emails no challenges remaining at gmail.com and subscribe to the show on itunes or your podcasting app of choice which gets you those episodes automatically and that's a cool thing to do executive producers of no challenges remaining are pancha resendis of tennisballs.com and cal woolly all you soldiers out there Soldier love